Well, this is the last episode of our journey with Abraham. He's been through a lot. And the faith has grown. What was once a small flickering flame now has a tabernacle and a priest, a community of followers. If you are just listening, please start at the beginning and you can find the first episode of Abraham, Father of Faith series on the website at www.pilgrimshub.com. The angels go to Sodom to see if the place has just ten good people. Abraham, knowing Lot and his family were there, thought this deal may well work because Lot's family are living there. Lot greets the angels and invites them in, and he sends his wife to prepare for them a meal. As they are eating, the men of the city come and start yelling around the house at Lot to let the angels out. Afraid and knowing what's coming, Lot offers them his daughters. But they're not interested in them and keep coming towards the house. Some get inside. Then the angels attack, striking them with blindness, those inside and those outside around the gate. The angels inform Lot that the city is to be destroyed and Lot tries to rescue his son-in-law's but they mock him. So he sets off with his two daughters and his wife to Zoar, meaning a place of refuge. In Abraham's time, this town was actually called Bella and its meaning is pure heart. On the way, Lot's wife looks back and is turned to salt and fire and brimstone rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah. This small group is not unlike the flood. This time, only the area was destroyed by fire. Like agricultural land, flooding rains and bushfire can renew the surface of the land. Sodom, though, will remain at the bottom of the Dead Sea in salt water. Abraham awakes to see smoke in the air. It's gone. He's kept the faith But now in his old age, the world he sees looks far from anything God would want to save. Sodom is burning. Cities full of sin and sexual depravity are everywhere. He moves again, this time to Gera. King Ablamech is ruler of the area and once again tries to take Sarah to be his wife after Abraham again tried the line that she is only my sister. But Ablamech has a dream and God informs him not to touch her and if he does, he'll die. The king calls Abraham and wants to know why he was told she was his sister. Abraham replies, because the sin in this area is so great and you don't fear God, I was sure you would kill me. King Ablamech gave him gifts and gave gifts to Sarah also to make amends. Because the king was innocent of any wrongdoing, Abraham prayed for him and God answered his prayers so that Abimelech's wife and concubines could all have children. Sarah later conceived and Isaac is born, but Ishmael, his older brother, teased him. 
Sarah again speaks to Abraham about Ishmael taunting Isaac and she asks that Hagar and Ishmael leave. This of course upsets Abraham given that Ishmael is his son but God informs him to do as Sarah wishes so he gets some provisions and sends them on their way. Once again, out in the desert, the food runs out and Hagar puts her boy under a bush not to die in the sun. Not wishing to watch it for herself, she prays to God. She and the boy are provided for and she is reminded that he will also have a great line of descendants. God now comes to Abraham again and asks him to take his son Isaac and offer him as a burnt offering in Moriah. This name means fear or revere the name of the Lord. It's a test. To understand this test, we must look at where Abraham has been and the development of his new faith. Og, if you recall, is ruler of the underworld. And this raises a new problem. During his time in Egypt, recall that Abraham spent time with the priests and would therefore be aware of their philosophies regarding the afterlife. But many like today just think you died. Oddly, Jewish faith still believes you go to this dead realm until the final day. The Egyptians' holiest book was the Book of the Dead and they are obsessed with the afterlife. Abraham gets up the following morning, saddles the ass, gets some wood for the fire and takes Isaac and a few men with him. When we read this in scripture, we miss the other stories related to this text. Abraham is old and he and Sarah have waited all their life. Finally, they have their promised son. No woman wants to hear what Abraham now has to tell Sarah. God has asked him to offer up his son as a sacrifice. No amount of pleading can change his mind. It must have been extremely tough for her, knowing she can't stop this act and surely God would not want this done. The doubt in Abraham's head would be enough to deal with and he would fully understand Sarah's distress, not to mention his own and he is yet to do the act. He leaves early in the morning. He just wants it all over and finished. What a trial. And it's not done yet. Three days into the journey, Abraham sees a cloud fuming on the mount. He informs the men to stay there with the ass. He and his son will go on alone. Abraham took the wood and laid it upon Isaac, He took in his hand the fire and a knife and they left. On the trip up the hill, Isaac asks, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? He answers his son, the word of the Lord will provide me a lamb. And if he doesn't, then Isaac would be the offering.
How is Sarah coping? It's not good. Satan has now turned up to inform her that Abraham is going to kill Isaac. Knowing her husband well enough, she has wept since the time they left. Unable to take any more, she dies, broken-hearted in her sorrow. Abraham builds an altar in the area Adam did before the flood. He set the wood out and starts to tie Isaac up. Isaac looks to his father and asks him to make sure he is bound tightly in case he is afraid and he fears he may not be able to go through with it. Abraham then looks deep into Isaac's eyes, but Isaac's eyes looked to the heavens and reached to the angels on high, unseen by Abraham. The angels then declared, Come and see two righteous ones in the midst of the world. The one who is to kill does not wait, and the one who is to be slain has stretched out his neck. Then God called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he cried. I'm sure he really did. What a test. But it's more than that, so much more. God then provides a ram which they offer and God informs him of his blessing again, that his descendants will be as great as the stars and the sands of the seashore. And the very important part, that his seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Well, as we finish our journey with Abraham, I will reveal the whole meaning. Some of you will have picked up on the similarities of this scene and the crucifixion. Although written well before the time of Jesus, just like the celestial clock, there is a pattern and it's reoccurring on the same theme. Rather than dismiss mythology and legend as science or so-called knowledge would have you do, remember that the fruit of the tree that Adam and Eve ate from was knowledge. Science may well hold facts. It also makes many errors. But truth is not fact. Truth rather lies in the spirit of what is being conveyed. Mythology and legends are conveying truths. Are they factual? Well, that is for debate and research. But my own advice is don't dismiss it easily. Every day something more is revealed to us as the Dead Sea dries up right now, that we might have thought was legend and in fact now appears to be truth. It is fascinating. Abraham is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit Walker. Sarah is Mary. Isaac is Jesus. Jacob will be the God, the Father. The theme expands each age. It's more like instruments are added to the orchestra to make it sound fuller each age. Abraham, or the Holy Spirit, leads us on a journey we choose to follow or not. That is our own free will. To those that do take the journey, they will be like the stars in the heavens. We need to rid ourselves of sin and make amends through acts of goodness. Sarah or Mary demonstrate these virtues 
and later grace, unmerited, undeserving favour, we should show all humanity. Will we pay a price? What are we willing to sacrifice? In the end, as St Paul writes, it is not I who live but Christ who lives in me. To be successful we need to invite God into our hearts. This journey we won't succeed at alone. We need help. This is why the world keeps falling into sin. In the time of Noah, the seed of creation, shaped like an ark, holds on to the new beginning. Abraham now holds the seed for the nation God will build out of him. Jesus, his descendant, saves humanity again, as prophesied to Abraham, has control for the gates of the underworld. Those believers now rise up to the heavens, the stars. They shed light for all of us to follow in their footsteps. Abraham or the Holy Spirit defeat the world of sin. Later, Moses and the Israelites will rise up and defeat Og. And with the commandments to be kept, we can attain salvation and resurrection. Abraham understood this final test was not about living in this world, but that all his descendants would be able to be resurrected. If he had killed Isaac, he knew God could give him back. How good is Isaac? Amazing. Could have just thrown the old man down the mountain. But like Jesus, and this is why it is written that Abraham says the word, capital W, of the Lord will provide the same word that created all things in the beginning. The word. Isaac. Jesus. Who did willingly take on the price to save humanity 2,000 years later. The same word and saviour that will come again now, 2,000 years later again, to save us. On the feast of the Passover, Jesus sends Peter and John to make preparations. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked. As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house he enters. Men didn't fetch the water in their times and in cultures still today. He would stand out, and so he should. It's Aquarius. Congratulations, you have made it. I hope you enjoyed this pilgrimage with Abraham, the father of faith, and have a better understanding of the past and how things change through time as God continues to reveal himself to us. Thank you all for listening. Take care and God bless to you all.